the next few moments, I want to talk with you about this idea of uh, problem-solving tension in our lives. Uh, have you ever experienced what tension is in your life? If you don't, then uh, I think you're lying. Uh, tension is something that happened. It is a reality in our lives that nobody can escape tension. And um, every single one of us at some point in time will deal with problems. Not every problem can be solved. When we talk about tension, tension is something that have so much negativity in it that when we talk about it, uh, something comes to mind that it seems to be something that we really need to do everything to eliminate tension. And today I want to suggest to you uh, that uh, maybe, maybe you can reconsider uh, that tension is not something that you and I need to eliminate at all times. Primates are those that have the ability to do that. And the only reason why primates can do that is because we have this gift of creating such tension that this can happen. And the idea about tension is that you have to apply just precise amount of pressure in order for this to happen. And with such pressure, progress happens. You have to know how much pressure you have to apply in order for progress to happen. And tension, we live with it all the time. I mean, for a long time since I got here, uh, I started to hear the conversation about, is egg still good for us? And there's a conversation about, well, too much, too little. And then in my household, there is this, this tension that happens all the time. Is ice cream good for us? Yes. Yes. There's no such thing as no. And we live with tension all the time in our lives. I mean, in the church, the life of the church, uh, the tension between young and old. So we pay attention to young people. Mm, so, so we must do something about the older people. Um, there is the, the tension in the church about let's do more about shepherding people who are already here, who are already convinced. And they are focused on the other side who are saying, let's spend more time on evangelism. And there's a tension there. There's the tension for a long time in the life of uh, church life. There's a tension between traditional and contemporary. And it's still happening, traditional and contemporary. Why are we so contemporary? Why are so traditional? Traditional are dead, contemporary is too loud. I mean, tension, it happens all the time. There's tension between races, there's tension between choir and bands, there's, there's always tension. And what I'm proposing today for our story today, I want to propose a alternative. That not every problem need to be solved. 
Not every tension needs to be resolved. There is a third way. There is an alternative. Because if you solve it, you might as well just cut off with some. And then you're going to figure out what you're going to do. But what do you do? You just hamper progress. So tension, here's, here's the third way. Here's the alternative. Tension and some problem, there might not be problem. There might be tons of tension to resolve. It might just be something you have to manage. What are the difference? Uh, in the next few moments, I want to propose to you how you can identify problem and tension you need to manage, find a way to manage, instead of try to figure it out to solve it. Because you might not be able to solve. And if you do solve it, for a time, you will learn in the long run, you create more tension, bigger mess, deeper, more painful, Alternative. Our story today, you remember David in the Bible? David was one of those kids that, uh, you know, broop, there it is, he came among many brothers. And so a prophet went to, um, to David's house because God told this, this, uh, this prophet, your next king is on the way. And go to this house over here, this family, your king is in that house. So the prophet went to Jesse's house, and then Jesse, the God said, um, I need to look. Where's our next king? Can I see all the boys? And so all the boys line up, and the prophet watched him. And the prophet was watching these guys. These guys were stout. I mean, they were, uh, the way that the Bible described it, they were good-looking guys. They were fit. Um, and, and, and when, when there was somebody who come along and the prophet was like, God whispered, nah, not that one. Because the way that we look at life, the way that we look at things and analyze things, God don't look at the same way. And God was whispering to the prophet, not that one. You might think so, might look fit your box, but it's not that one. Finish all the boys that were in, in, in town. Prophet asked Jesse, is, do you have any more? Yeah, there's the one kid over there. Smell like sheep. Spending most time with sheep. Talk like one. Right now, I would tell to say, probably singing some sheep songs out there. Can you get him? So they called David and David came in and God whispered, that's the do. That's him. And it was just different. The way that God looked at our life and the activities that happen in our life, uh, oftentimes the way that we look at it and the way that God looked at it is so much different. And God always have a better look. And so David, this is the same guy, the same guy, uh, there was a war that happened, there was a conflict, Israel was getting involved in this warfare with the Philistine. The Philistines seems to be giants. They were big people. I mean, when I think about the Philistine, I was like, can we get three of those to be the LSU offensive line? I mean, seriously, we really need help. Um, as you can tell, I'm, I'm still bitter about the game yesterday. They really need some help. And... Uh, you know, David, David was told by dad, dad told David, go there to the front line, 
take this cheese and he was a delivery kid for Pizza Hut. Go take the pizza, do, the, do your brothers, and then take a little analysis over there, then come back and tell me. Give me a report what's happening over there. David got up there and he overheard from behind the crowd, overheard a big voice coming from the other side of the valley, challenging them for somebody to come and fight. This is kind of warfare that doesn't happen today. You know, it's like, you want to fight? Bring one. I mean, if we do fight like that today, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think we're going to make peace so much more. And David heard this guy, not only he challenged all the military people who, who are there, and they were terrified because this guy was massive. But the guy was taunting his, David's side and add on some language that David believed. Somehow, when he was in a synagogue, somebody brainwashed him to believe that God's people and God's power cannot be minimized. And he was a kid. Children have a different ways of, of thinking about life. I mean, it's black and white. It's straightforward. It, they're just... The answer is obvious. And David said to himself, I thought your people taught me in the synagogue that talk like this about God is a no-no. And he said, I'm going to go fight. I want for you to remember this. When David said he's going to fight, it was not based on his knowledge. It was not based on his education. He did not have a degree in military warfare. He didn't have, he didn't have network. I mean, his Instagram was non-access. He didn't even have people in it. Nothing. The only thing that he said he's going to fight, he's going to fight under a name. That's it. I'm going to fight because of a name. And their name is so powerful that I believe I will win. Not because of me, but because of the name. And I know, I know that there are some of you who have been in that journey. You face down cancer because, not, not because of your money, not because of your experience, not because you have so many influence in your life. It's just because of a name. A name of God. That's the only thing that you can go through. The challenges. Some of you have been experiencing some pain in your life with uh, maybe some relationship that you were so massively close to you now is falling apart. And the only way that you can go through that kind of pain is not because of your experience, of your knowledge, not because of your influence, of your status. It's just because there's a name you believe that this name have the power to make it right and to carry you through. So David, after David killed Goliath, the cheerleader for David was really loud. He was like, David killed this many, and Saul killed this many. David killed this and Saul was not happy. People who are in power, when they heard, when they feel that their power is being threatened, they do crazy stuff. And you have all these people all over the place. You might be one of those people, like me, who are in power in some circle. When you feel like your power is being challenged, what do you do? You look around, your ego starts to grow, and you start to wonder, 
What is happening here? Who is coming for me? <laughs> that little commercial, AT&T. Uh, what was his name, the basketball player? Somebody help me. Big name basketball player with the Laker. Huh? LeBron, yeah. Yeah, he did, he did this commercial, he just recent, recent maybe last year, with a young lady who has been doing AT&T commercial for a while. And uh, they were arguing about the new phone 14 something. And, and at the end of it, at the end of, after the commercial, the young lady looked at him and said, are you coming for my job? Are you coming for my job? And I, it, when, 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 I've, when I've read this story again, I can hear Saul like a little girl. Are you coming for my job? Are you going to take over and be a king? Because he knew that David was going to be the next king. And in his mind, David was coming for his job. And it is a tension, it is a problem that he needs to resolve. And what he needs to do is to kill David. Let us read our scripture together. Can you read it with me? Say amen. Let us read. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistine, So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At a place where the road passed the shepherd foal, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in the very cave. Now is the opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with you, as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut off Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My Lord the King! And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. And he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people who say, I'm trying to harm you? This very day, you can see with your own eyes, it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the game. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spare you. For I said, This proves that I'm not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So David, David came into Saul's life and he, he saw, did not like it at all. 
In a very uncertain time, uncertainty is where leaders really thrive. Saul, as a leader, did not enjoy this idea that David exists. David was coming for his job. There is something about this progress, the tension that happened in our life, that we have to reconsider the way that we deal with tension. Because the way that we deal with tension, if we do not take care of the third way with tension, we will create bigger problem. Saul, in his idea, that is quite clear, I am still in charge. I'm still in power, and no one else. And David, in his mind, I have been prepared for this job. And yet, what they do have in common, God anointed both of them. Both of them. And, 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 and the fascinating things about this is, as we follow the story, God have organized this whole deal all along the way. And yet, while God is still in charge of this, God also gave both men the opportunity and the privilege to make choices for themselves, just like you and me. This idea of free will. God is still in charge of our life, and yet, with that, God gave us the power to make choices for ourselves. And if we do not take care of that privilege, that privilege can harm us along the journey. In David's mind, if you go back to the previous chapter here, David uh, was told by God he had to go and invade this place where the Philistines, uh, the Philistines were, um, were attacking this place. And then God told David, you got to go. Take a military and go to the village where these guys are at, and you have to kick him out. And David was like, should I go? God, should I? God said, yes. David told his, his gang, hey, this is what God say. And then David turned to God and said, God, are you sure? Should I go? God said, yes, David, go. And so David went, and he won. And, but while, while he was still in this fight, chapter 23, uh, Saul heard. Remember that David and Saul's son, Jonathan, were best friends. And so some of their stories are very, very fascinating. You read this story and you can see yourself in this story because their relationship, the dynamic of relationship, unhealthy, if you will, yet this is so relevant to where we are living today. So Saul was told that David was in this village doing this warfare. So Saul assembled his, his uh, military folks and said, this is my opportunity. I get him in a, in a, in a valley. I'm going to kill him there. Well, somebody told David, Saul is coming. So what did David do? He said, God, is Saul coming? God said, yep. Is he intending to kill me? God said, yep. I'm just thinking, God, you know, you can kind of soften that. You can give them some political language, you know. Don't really lie. You just kind of give him the run around for a while. But God said, yeah, he's coming. His intention is to kill you, to eliminate you, to solve this tension between you and him. So David assembled his little crew. These are people who have been in trouble with the law, been in trouble, outcasts. And, 
and uh, 600 of them. That's all David had. Assemble his little crew and he say, we gotta go. Because Saul is coming. So when Saul was heading that way, David was leaving. And then Saul was the, hey, David is left. And while Saul was still on his way, somebody told Saul, hey Saul, uh, the Philistine is attacking uh, home base. And Saul turned around. Just the dynamic of how God organized this whole deal. It's just fascinating. So Saul turned around. He was chasing after David. Turn around, go back to home base, try to defend home base. By the time he get to home base, he finished that where we pick up. He came back after fighting the Philistine. Even with evildoers like that, even with people who don't do the right thing, Saul by this time, he has so many skeletons in his closet. He's still winning fight. Just in case you forgot that there are still people in your life, you look at them and say, I do, I, I do better than that guy. I do better than that lady. I'm more faithful than, than those people. And why is God still blessing them? Because God's idea is so much bigger than yours and mine. Even with, you know, even with Saul, all the bad things he was doing, he's still winning wars. But don't be fooled. Just because people like that in your circle, or you're looking at them, and, and it was like, why are they still blessed? Why, why, why is that lady still have good-looking boyfriend? Why, why is that guy marry another good woman? Don't, don't be fool. Don't be fool. It might be for a season. God have a bigger plan than all of that. And so, and so it happened. It happened that, that, that Saul came. He assembled the elite of the military. Special op. That's what it was. A special op, they're coming to kill David. 3,000. Man. Just imagine that. 3,000, the best of the military is assembled to go after one guy. This is so hilarious. This kind of scenes doesn't make itself to the Bible very often. I happened to be in that valley when I was in Israel. And this is the description of the valley when we were standing there. Our guide say, yep, that's where Saul relieved himself. Can you give us a little more context than that? <laughs> and I mean, who done that? I mean, mind you that this is a king. 3,000 going with the king. When the king get off, the whole platoon stop. Just imagine that scene. Just, just imagine that. You are smart people. You can imagine. You can paint that picture in your mind. 3,000 military, special op people. They all standing still. All the donkeys. Hold up. Stand still. The king got to go. When he got to go, he got to go. While the king was doing that, he did not know that David was in there. Brothers and sisters, family and friends, listen now. There are some people who might be in deep in a cave with you. They don't have your best interest. Just because they are around you, there are some people in there. They might be saying, what do you think is the right thing to do? 
might not be it. Now, how can you tell the difference between a problem that needs to be solved with attention that you need to manage? When you realize that there are people who argue from both sides of the issue, people that you love and care and treasure, people that you cherish the relationship with, that they are faithful people. When they argue from both sides, these are people that you love and you trust. You know you're pumping into a tension that needs to be managed, not a problem to solve. Somebody was just reminding me after the first service when I put this language into this. She said, I've been saved for a long time. I get used to these things. I was like, just kick the can further down the road. And now I have new language for it. For kicking the can, just further down. Just wait, just wait, just wait. Because that's exactly what happened to David. David had all opportunities to do and finish and solve this issue. But David was reminded while he was in that place, while he was in the dark, that this is not it. Remember Pinocchio? Some of you are too old to remember Pinocchio. Pinocchio was a little character on Disney that, that is conscience. And if you go and read this again, David had the opportunity. God of, I mean, just imagine how, how silly this image is. Here's Saul relieving himself, and David snuck up, stealth. That's as stealth as you can be. I don't know. I don't know another man who could do that. Just standing there while somebody cut off your clothes. Somebody duck on my skirt, somebody's gonna get hurt. I'm just telling you. Somebody's gonna get hurt quick. He cut him off, and then this little internal thing started to work on him. His conscience started to bother him. Started to bother him. Not because of what he was doing, or whom he was doing it to. All this time he's running from what it was perceived his enemy. It could be his enemy. At the same time, you know what bothered him? He realized that even with this man not doing the right thing, he was anointed by God. And that, my friends, that is something that you cannot mess with. I remember a um, few years back, I was serving with uh, colleagues of mine. We were sent to uh, turn around a church uh, that come to its finality of his life. So we were remodeling the church, we were doing new things, renamed the church, and uh, it was not easy because there's still remnant of the church was still there, uh, but we needed to do Sometimes you just have to be disruptive for change to happen. And, uh, and I was just asked to do what I was doing. Uh, and so uh, my, uh, my, my teammate, uh, he, was, he was another pastor that was sent with me to go do these things. There were times that we, we were, we, we did not always look at things the same way. And there were times get personal. And... Uh, 
But at the end of it, we, we always try to remember that this is God's stuff. It's not mine, it's not his, this is God's stuff. And uh, come around that summer, I, I left for home. I went, I went to, uh, to the island, uh, and so I have a new appointment. I've been reappointed to a different church, and he was reappointed to a different church. And when we were leaving, there were some leftover stuff that have not worked out itself. We have not finished the business. And, uh, and I knew, I knew when I was leaving that um, we still have a lot of tension between us. And it's, this is not something that you can hear or you, you want to hear from pastors when they are in this place. But I share this because it was true. While I was still at home, uh, the DS called me of the district where I was to tell me that uh, the team may die. He went to church that morning, preached, and never came home. And then he said to me, you will never have another associate with you. You're going to kill people. Uh, evidently, he heard that our attention, and I have some words that we share, that it was pretty heavy. And he said, sometimes you have to be careful in your words. Because it's not always you. David, David said to his men, because this man suggests to him, you have God just done this. God just hand your enemy to you. This is your prime opportunity. You don't have to go search. You don't have to do anything else. He is as vulnerable as you can be. I mean, that's as vulnerable as a human being, as a man can be. In means relieving himself, he is vulnerable. You got me? He is as vulnerable as a man can be. And this internal thing that God planted in our DNA, that thing is so strong, it can work on us. Sometimes when you pump into something and your internal temperature, the little things start to work inside of you, you're not quite comfortable with it. This relationship, this business adventure, this, this investment, or, or whatever it is, when your conscience start to speak, pay attention. It might not be a problem you need to solve. It might just be something you have to manage. Because if you try to kill it, might as well just cut off your thumb. Then you hamper your progress. Every single one of us in our journey, we will pump into this. I'm suggesting there is a third way. You do not always have to ignore it. You do not always have to kill it. There are some tension, some issues in our life. It is just there to manage. Here's another, another way you can tell which one of these. You have a meeting about that issue. Three, five months from now, they, they raise the same issue. And, and you, if you are in charge, you're like, didn't, didn't we talk about this last week? It keep coming up, keep coming up, keep coming up. What you're pumping into is an is a issue that you need to manage. Do not kill it. You're going to hamper the progress of your business, of your relationship, or the movement of your small group, or your relationship with your children, or with the adult that you care for, or whatever it is. It's just a third way. 
And if you do that, you watch the progress in your life, in your investment, in your business. That is exactly what David did. My conscience won't let me. Why? Because as bad as you think he is, he's anointed by God. God won't let me do it. And I know that the same God who spoke to David is the same one who's spoken to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So God, we thank you for the opportunity for us to be reminded that not all the problems we face are problems to solve. There are some we just have to figure out a way because they are with us. There are some we have to be flexible. There are some we just have to abandon all the plans we have. But not the vision because it's been anointed by you. Give us the courage. Courage to stop. Courage to move on. It is in your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. All God's people say amen.